Good morning, you guys. Good morning. I love seeing this room. Look around. Just look around at the room for a second. See everyone who's in this space this morning. Um, some people look a little bit tanner. They've been away, like me. <laughs> yeah, your phone's back there. No screens during service, Jeremiah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, so we're continuing in this wave series, Jeremiah. I was like, what are we going to call it? I was like, oh, mini wave series? I don't know. <laughs> um, but we're in Matthew 8 this week. And um, my quippy title for this sermon is 100% Chance of Storms. <laughs> um, and hopefully that will be a little bit less terrifying once we get to the end of the sermon. I hope that that will actually maybe excite you that your faith would have an opportunity to be developed in the storm. Um, I am not uh, unaware of storms. I'm like struggling with the word. I'm not, whatever, can't think of the word, but I'm very used to storms. I grew up in uh, Southern Alabama. I call, I tell people I'm from LA, lower Alabama, and that's where the eye roll comes in. Um, and very used to storms. Uh, I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the storms that I've been through and, um, kind of where we're going to go with this today and hopefully what God will reveal to you through this sermon. So Matthew 8, starting at verse 18, um, it says, Jesus saw the crowd around him and he gave orders to the disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Thank you. <laughs> then a teacher of the law, some, some versions say a scribe, came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to, to Jesus, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so much so that the waves were sweeping over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So like I said, I grew up around storms, and a storm can change everything in an instant, and it really can be so sudden. Um, this is my elementary school. Uh, it's called A.W. Wyndham Elementary School. It holds maybe 150 kids, which is every kid in the county, not just the city, the county. Um, and that it, oof, memories. So this school is in a very flat area. Um, South Alabama is so flat, there's a town called Level Plains. Okay, it's as flat as it can get, which means two things. One, you can see everything when it's clear. You really can see for a mile. Um, and two, tornadoes went right through it. Um, it was maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. Buses had been delayed because weather was weird and we weren't sure if people should come in. My mom and I had gotten there early. I was in kindergarten. I was five and probably just as tall. Um, <laughs> I was a little shorter. Um, and so my mom and I were the only two people in the school besides the janitor because the storms were so bad. Teachers who lived around the county, we lived in the same city as the school, had not been able to drive in. But the buses had already picked up the city kids and they were on the way. So someone had to help the buses get everyone inside. Um, 
And so my mom tells me, we've already been in the fridge once that morning, and I'll tell you why, in tornadoes, the best place to be is a steel-reinforced refrigerator, mm. right? So my mom and the janitor and I were standing in the refrigerator for two hours for the first two warnings of tornadoes that had gone by. And now the buses were on their way, and we're leaving the fridge. My mom has a walkie-talkie. I have one, and I'm five. Um, and the janitor has one, and we're going to meet the buses in the roundabout because we've got to get the kids off before the tornado hits. Imagine the terror. Imagine the terror of the storm. So, as God would have it, the buses pull in. At the moment, the tornado rounds the tree corners. We can see the, the tornado across the field. And I don't know how we kept it together. I really do think it was the grace of God in that moment. Because tell, let me tell you, we were calling out to him in the same way the disciples were. Lord, save us. There were not many words to be had in that moment. Um, and so we went to the five little buses, and we got all the kids off. We got them in the hallway. We were on our faces, and the tornado hit, and I lost it. I just began to weep. Because it was so emotional to know that there was nothing in our control or in my mother's control that we could do to stop such a thing from hitting. Thankfully, we all lived. All glory to God. None of us were injured. No one died in our town that day. But so many things were lost. If you flip to the next slide, you can see some of the damage. Um, we lost our Wendy's, which was a travesty because... <laughs> We didn't have Wendy's for 20 more years. Thank God I moved to Georgia. They just rebuilt it in 2019. This was in 2001. Um, that was the Baptist church where I did VBS. Um, in an instant, your town destroyed. Um, all control gone. It's, it's a moment like no other. It's a moment like no other. And in that moment, all you can do is say, Lord, save us. Um, I've heard some sermons about this passage and and preachers like to say that God was rebuking their fear, but I beg to differ. I think the fear is natural, and God gave us those emotions in those moments. I think instead he was inviting us to see more of himself that we hadn't seen before. So the first point from today is there will be storms as you follow Jesus. Hopefully they aren't physical like the one I went through, um, but there will be storms. Following Jesus doesn't keep you out of the storm, right? We just read that two people said, can I follow you, Jesus? And he said, follow me. And then Jesus led them where? Onto a boat and into a storm. Jesus was not surprised that the storm hit. Actually, he was at complete peace. He was asleep. And these experienced fishermen would have known if there was going to be bad weather. They knew. They had experiences. They wouldn't have most likely followed him, right? They would have known. So even their preparation and their knowledge could not anticipate this storm. There will be storms in your life that your preparation and knowledge and all of the things that you've learned will still, you will not be able to anticipate. These disciples were experts at fishing, and still they were caught off guard to the brink of death. They were doing the right thing when they followed him onto the boat, right? And suddenly this violent storm is there. Why? Why? I believe that Jesus took the classroom onto the boat that day. <laughs> and he was testing them to see, where is your faith? Is your faith in your knowledge and what you know? Or is your faith in me? They had seen 
marvelous miracles before this. This wasn't their first moment. There were so many people crowding around, listening and coming for a chance to see what this man Jesus was doing, that they needed to go over to another side of the lake because it was too crowded for teaching. The news had already spread. They knew what Jesus was capable of, but really, did they know it? Did they know it? So Jesus took them on the boat for a little bit of a lesson. Um, As a follower of Jesus, I can expect storms. Forecast, 100% chance of unexpected storms. Um, And so our next point is this. Even though he is asleep, he is present. He never leaves the boat. Even though you are looking around at your situations right now and thinking, God, would you wake up? Okay? Wake up. <laughs> he is present. As, as Rachel was praying this morning, I love that psalm because it took me to this exact part of the sermon, right? I wrote, I put the psalm in here during worship. It says, mm, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And I would wake up from this dream, and I would cry, and I would scream, and I was so scared. And I would wake up Alex, and he'd be like, you're fine, you're alive, it's good. And I'm like, but they're going to die, you know? And it's like, what does this mean? Um, And so I called one of my mentors, and I was like, is this a stress dream? (laughs) Do I need to watch what I'm eating? What's happening? And he said, "Um, it could be anxiety, but let's just ask Jesus where he's at in the dream. And so it closed my eyes, and I'm like, okay, um, Jesus, where are you in this dream? And I never would have imagined this on my own. But as I looked at that storm coming across the yard, God was an eagle, and his wings were around the whole house. Mm-hmm. Even the area where I was running trying to tell people that they needed to take cover. And the truth was, it was an unexpected storm, and God was already covering the house. No one needed me to yell because God was present. And so I was able to take comfort in that moment, in that season, knowing that God is present and God is good. And he is going to take control of the situation and take care of us. And we know this. We talked about this earlier a couple months ago when I said that anxiety was really an amnesia problem. Um, A couple weeks ago in my devotion, Pete Gregg was talking about how Um, anxiety and worry are the little sisters of fear. Wherever fear goes, anxiety and worry follow, because they're its little sisters. I love that. Um, I don't love this, but I love that phrase. Um, And and that's true. That's true, right? That's what's happening to these disciples. They have suddenly become afraid, and anxiety and worry has followed. They've forgotten who's on the boat. Don't forget who's on the boat with you this morning. Because in the storm, the best thing you can do is call on Jesus. The best thing you can do. That's our third point. Our third point. In the storm, the best thing you can do is call on Jesus. And it was it was really short. In the Greek, I think it's only three words that they say. Um, we're just a little more verbose in English, so we've got a couple more words. I'll count those. There's five. Um, Lord, save us. We're perishing. In the midst of the storms of life, the perfect thing to do is to cry out to Jesus. Even awaken him, should we use that, with with our words, because he is near and he can hear you. He can hear you. Jeremiah preached about this last two weeks ago. We had a little break. And as he preached about Psalm 
1.30, I think it was, um, he talked about how what if, what if God could just do this? And he can, right? He can just snap his fingers and everything is normal. So what is God doing with our character in that moment? What is he revealing about what's going on inside of us? Certainly, it does not have to be a flowery or detailed prayer. It can be as simple as, Lord, save, I perish. Jesus isn't interested in your creative speaking skills. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants to know in that moment that you would say, Lord, save me. And Lord, too. They know who he is. They call him Lord. Even in their fear, they express that sentiment towards God. Psalm 50, 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and then you shall glorify me. The next thing I want you to know about this storm that's happening in this boat is that it is the classroom, right? Jesus is teaching you in the storm. The storm is not for naught. <laughs> Jesus is teaching you something in the storm. He's teaching me something in the storm. Before Jesus calms the storm, what does he do? Because he doesn't rush into it right away. <laughs> he's like, let's have a little calm. I'm like, can you fix it? Like, <laughs> we're going to drown. And he's like, let's talk about it, you know. It's like parenting, right? Can you fix it? Let's talk about it. I just want you to give me the toy that my sister has. Um, so before Jesus calms the storm, he looks at them and he talks to them about their fear. He asks them a question. And this scene reminds me of another intimate scene where God comes and asks two people a question. In the garden, why are you hiding? And Adam says, I, I was afraid. So I hid. In this scene, the disciples go to the Lord. They know that he is God in the midst of this situation. But they're still afraid. And they ask him, Lord, would you save us? And he says, where is your faith? They didn't really understand fully who he was yet. And because of this, they had absolutely no reason to be afraid if they knew that Jesus was in the boat. The storms are very real, and each time a storm is allowed by God, I believe there is a place for us to be encouraged in our faith and to be strengthened. There are holes in our faith that God is refining and growing us in. The storms face us to go back to the things we've learned about him, to recall them, and to trust them in a new way. I'll say that again. The storms force us to go back and learn and recall the things that he has taught us and to trust him in a new way. The next, the next thing you should know about this is one word from Jesus can change everything in a moment. One word from Jesus can change everything in a moment. One word. God spoke and there was creation. Jesus spoke and it was calm. There's another scene in scripture where Jonah is also on a boat and it's getting wild and he's the one below deck. And, and the, the um, other people on the boat are freaking out because they don't serve Jonah's God. And they're taken to the brink of their edge of their existence and their gods have not answered them. So they pull him up and they're like, what's going on? You know, have you angered your God? Our God is, this is nothing, what's going on? Yet in this scene, we see Jesus is on the boat. And when Jesus is on the boat, the storm can be gone in a second. He has the power. 
He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. And they, they say this to him the moment that he stills the waves. They look at him and say, who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. What manner of man is this? What sort of man is this? I wonder if in that moment they're starting to realize this isn't a man. This is God. This is the sovereign God. The wind and sea have obeyed him. Surely we can, right? And I think that the implication for us this morning is that if God of the universe can say something and the winds and sea calm down, how much more can the things in our lives calm down? How much more can we have the abundant rest we've been talking about? Friends, it is time to go to God and to cry out, Lord, save me. There are things in your life that you haven't asked God about because you're too scared. And God is saying, why are you afraid? Lord, save me, right? He calls to you in the midst of the storm. He wants you to know that he's present. He wants you to know that he's trustworthy, that you can lean on him. And he's calm, calm as a cucumber, sleeping. I want to read this psalm to you, Psalm 107. A psalm they probably would have known, right? For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in the midst of their plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and they were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. The waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he had brought them the haven they desired. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. What is the response to rescue? Worship. In response to God's rescue, we worship. And we know that he's rescued before. We know that he'll rescue again. We said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And we got on the boat. A lot of us in this room have already said, Jesus, I want to follow you. We're following him. He is in our presence. We are in his presence. He is not asleep. He will wake up. He will respond. And what is our response? Worship. This morning, I want you to know that when you follow Jesus faithfully, you will still find yourself in storms. It's a part of his plan. I don't understand it. I might have done it different, but I'm not God. And if you lean into him, he will bring the maturity you are asking for, the growth you are asking for. He has a plan that is way better than any you could figure out. And even if it seems like he is asleep to your worries, Jesus is in the storm with you. He knows what's going on. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than all you can ask or imagine. Would you remember to call on him? Would you remember this morning? It's the greatest thing you can do in a storm. Don't be silent and stuff it in. Stop being silent about the things that are hurting you and causing you stress and anxiety and worry. You do not have to have it all together. No one does. It's a picture, okay? Tell him what concerns you. Tell your friends and the friendships you've made what concerns you. Pray together. 
Jesus loves you. He will never abandon you. In the middle of the storm, in the very place that you have the most pain and trauma, he will transform your faith. He will bring your fears to his face and he will transform them. He will say, don't be afraid, my child. Only believe. Mark 5. In the synagogue, he heals the hand. (laughs) And then the leader comes up and says, my daughter has died. And he says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Even the most grim circumstances. The man says to him, don't trouble the teacher any further. But Jesus overhears this. And Jesus says, do not fear. Only believe. People will overhear the way that your fears have turned to faith in insane circumstances, and they will doubt it. They will doubt you and your sanity, honestly, right? Why are you so calm in the midst of this crazy, like, if I were you, I'd be just, oof, I don't know what I'd do. Do not fear. Only believe. One word from Jesus can change everything in a moment. The word in this text in Matthew 8 that talks about how suddenly the storm came is almost like a quaking of the earth. There was another quaking later on, right? When Jesus gave up his body for us, the earth quaked. It says, when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he yielded his spirit. And at that moment, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And their only reaction from the Romans is truly, this must have been the Son of God. Christ is in the boat. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that in his sermon. Christ is in the boat. This morning, where do you need to know that Christ is in the boat? That his body was ripped for you, that his blood was shed for you, for your neighborhood, for our church, for the city, for our world. It wasn't just just for you, but it is for you. It's for all of us. And it changes everything. His presence changes everything. So I want us to just take a moment and pause and ask, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? You want to pull out the notes app on your phone or write in your journal, why are you afraid? Jesus, our prayer this morning is save us. There are so many things I probably couldn't even list them out from each person in the room this morning. Yet you, the almighty God, is aware of every single one. You know them. 
You know, the family members we've prayed for for years. You know, the job circumstances. You know, tomorrow. You know, the next day. You know, every day. Lord, you know the mental health crisis in our country and in this room, Lord. And you are able to speak to us in the same way that you spoke to this story. Saying, be still. So Lord, we ask you this morning, would you come? Would you come and be God? Would you awake to our prayers, to the prayers of your people? And would you bring something to this city that the city's never seen before? A glimpse of your kingdom, so beautiful, so unique, that it is undeniably supernatural. And Lord, I pray the same thing for everyone's lives in this room, for their families, for their friends, for their workplaces. Would you bring something so unique, so beautiful, that's only supernatural, that's only your hand? And Lord, we worship you now. This morning, we worship you knowing that you've done it before. We don't pray as a people who've never seen their God move. We have pages on pages of the ways that you've moved, and we have stories upon stories of the ways that you've moved. And so, Lord, would you come and remind us? We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen.